disaster Don't you give up, don't you let away Talking about a forever after Don't you give up, don't you dare give in Greetings, PRN.FM listeners. It's Jack Tuckner and Deborah Orell, thrilled to be with you here from the Women's Rights in the Workplace show on the Upper West Side of New York City on the Progressive Radio Network. We're thrilled you're here. We're thrilled you're not listening and wasting your time listening to Rush Limbaugh or MSNBC or any of our other competitors. Yes, I know, because we have so many um, listeners that would never miss this show. And you could feel free, because we have an outstanding guest today I'm going to tell you about in a minute, but feel free to call in um, at 888-874-4888, and we'll take your important questions right on the air. Uh, we've been on a, a little bit of a break, and uh, we're back today, and we're very pleased to have in our studio Kelly A. Joyce. MBA certified professional coach, and she is the CEO and founder, and she is herself the executive whisperer, the exec whisperer, which means presumably that she knows how to speak to executives in a way that, like the horse whisperer and the dog whisperer and the cat whisperer, um, can fully understand and intuit their needs and what they need and want and don't want and help them and help us to take control, right, of our work lives. In fact, to radically change our relationship with work. And being we're workplace advocates, and we usually come from a frame of, and perhaps this is limited thinking, we usually come from the frame in our work of um, perhaps, perhaps, you know, the challenges that our clients often face of being unemployed or fired or going through problems, and we sort of deal with it more um, almost like an allopathic medicine versus sort of holistic, that we sort of address it as a, a you know, once the harm is done, where what medicine do you take and so forth to deal with the problem? What I think, what what, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ms. Joyce in a minute. What I think Kelly does is address issues of empowerment more in the way that you try being to do, Deborah. Being proactive, being proactive, and to take control of your work life, mm-hmm. such as it is in our, you know, and the challenges that we have are the challenges that we have in this nation right now. But we all have limiting beliefs. We were talking about before we got on the air. And it really starts and ends with us, right? I mean, it's, you could talk, you could cry and moan about all you want, about the 1% mm-hmm. and about the unemployment rate and about inequality and about 100,000 factories closing in the last 15 years and being sent off, you know, and all of the problems that we do have um, with our current economic culture. But it still comes down to we have to fend for ourselves. We have to create our own reality to the extent that we can. And I think that's the beautiful, empowering, and... Um, creative process that Kelly brings to her clients. So let me tell you a little bit about, you know, um, Kelly and her work. The, 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 uh, the work, the uh, website is The Truth at Work. The Truth at Work.com. And Kelly blends her deep marketing communications and management expertise with her intuitive coaching skills with nearly 20 years of uh, leading communication leading communications agency experience her clients and teams know her as the trusted advisor on how to tackle tough management issues navigate political situations and position yourself to win in an organization as CEO and founder of The Truth at Work, Kelly dedicated the company to radically changing your relationship with work, both in how you interact with work and what kind of work you were put on this planet to do. I think that's a key piece of this that we're going to be talking to Kelly about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that whole really, which again, many of us sort of shy away from saying, I can't freaking do that because of all these other limiting beliefs, either yep. our parents or money and so forth. But if you, and we'll talk about if you're doing what you're supposed to do in this planet, in this world, it opens up certain windows and doors that were not part of the other, the, the plan because of the way that, because I think you're living in alignment, yeah. right? Something about living in alignment with the it's universe. Like alternative now. universe that suddenly shows up. Your alternative universe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
uh, Kelly developed the Exec Whisperer program to coach corporate executives and business owners who are at a crossroads with a unique blend of professional challenges and personal change. Mm-hmm. Uh, clients take back the control and productivity in their lives to accelerate both their business performance and personal progress. Kelly is the U.S. executive coach for First 100, where she guides senior executives to success during their first 100 days of a new job, promotion, expat rotation, or maternity return, which is a big issue in our mm-hmm. world, and I guess throughout uh, these United States. Additionally, Kelly was the co-creator and facilitator of the She Creates Change graduate program, Dream Incubator, an accelerator for women entrepreneurs to turn their dreams into profitable businesses. Outstanding work. Before founding The Truth at Work, Kelly was managing director uh, United States for London-based technology PR firm Hotwire, where she drove... Oh, you know, I did cut off these the last words in this thing. What is that? She drove. What did you drive? Uh, basically, uh, BMW. <laughs> <laughs> she drove the GR of the American team in operations. It must have been. I'm sorry. I should be looking at this on the site itself. Um, uh, business development and client services. Kelly counseled yep. companies such as Inmobi for its $200 million venture capital funding with SoftBank, and okay, a lot of a lot of major purchases. During her tenure, Kelly's initial role was as managing director in North America of the boutique mobile technology firm, PR firm IF Communications, and Kelly was the U.S. lead for successfully, another word printed out here. It's, it's for the sale of, okay. to Hotwire. So it was, Hotwire. It was, I was doing acquisitions and, while doing an acquisition. <laughs> okay. I'm sure that's better said than reading it here from the sheet anyway. Um, Kelly was vice president of global corporate practice at Wagoner Edstrom Worldwide in New York City, where she counseled a broad range of clients such as Ace Group, Boeing, China Union Pay, Cognizant, Expedia, Fuel Selly Energy, GlaxoSmithKline, Biologicals, and Microsoft. Not too shabby client base. How to navigate through, you know, how to navigate difficult business issues. Previously, Kelly was a founding leader at Horn Group in New York City and Boston for ten years. As vice president, she partnered with dozens of enterprise software companies such as PeopleSoft, Oracle, OutlookSoft, uh, Staffware, uh, etc., um, for category creation and brand visibility. And finally, Kelly's a graduate of the Coaching for Transformation program, an international coaching federation accredited coaching certification offered by the New York Open Center. And it is an OASAS certified recovery. She is a certified recovery coach through CCAR Recovery Coach Academy. Kelly holds a dual BA in political science and sociology from Villanova and an MBA in marketing and management systems from Fordham University, where she's consulted with the Fordham Accelerator for Business program. That's a mouthful. Thanks, Kelly, for being here with it's us. We appreciate really great it. to be here. Wow. That's a mouthful, I'm right? Impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me tired. So, yeah. <laughs> so with, with all those that with those bona fides and back down to the how that applies to real people what you do to add, what do you do to add value to a person who calls you up and says i am freaking stuck yeah um you know the first thing is i of course i want to know exactly what they're stuck about and they usually fall into two camps one is i can't stand my job can you help me get out or help me get a new one type of thing uh or basically they they're just kind of having an all over combustion problem where both their business and their personal problems are coming together at the same time. So if they're having that all over problem, that's more likely they're a fit for the exec whisperer program where they're very stressed and overwhelmed and stuck. I call it having an executive SOS. Um, If they're solely on that job path, you know, looking for what's next, then we talk about my career program called True Work. Okay, so let's break it down. The person who you mentioned is, um, you know, in an SOS or kind of, mm-hmm. they want, they, they hate their job or they're not happy, they're feeling stifled, yep. they need you, I think you said, to help them get another job. Why, you know, they talk to their friends, they talk to their parents, someone would say to them, quit, find a better job and wait sure. till you find that job. Mm-hmm. How do you unpack that for them in a way that makes a difference and expands yep. their line of vision on yep. this? Well, the clients that I deal with, they're usually pretty deep into their career. 
you know they're you know they're in their you know roughly around 40 or so it's not their first rodeo uh, so it's not like they're unfamiliar with the go get a job process okay. you know it's not they're saying oh i don't know how to do a resume, resume right. or i've never been in an interview it's more like they're you know they have quite you know quite a bit of experience they're very invested in their career you know for example i have a lot of lawyers you know they're not very happy uh, in the field and you know they have lots of bills from law school and they you know they have a lot of worries and they got to a point where they say well maybe i'm not going to be partner you know uh so what if i'm not you know what's next and it really becomes a real life crisis at that point, about reevaluating what's the best next step for me. Uh, so, in some ways, I go, I go back. I go to I, childhood. Yeah, in some <laughs> yes, um, I do really generally back up the bus. I mean, they're not in lying in a couch and free associating, right? If they want to. Okay, okay, <laughs> I mean, but you're not, you're not. We're not talking about psychology, psychi- psychotherapy here, right? I mean, yeah. it's not classic psych. Psychology in that sense. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not a licensed therapist by any means, uh, but I do uh, talk to uh, my clients about their early memories of work. Okay. You know how okay. they how they learned about work. You know what they saw. You know, do people work hard? Do people not work at all? Uh, you know what it, what how do people deal with money? How is money made? And they realize that a lot of times that they're repeating old patterns okay. of you know uh-huh. what the big people in their house did uh, huh. uh, and that they're they're either taking it on or they're rebelling against it and it creates a lot of freedom uh, from them afterwards when they say oh I'm kind of tired of being my dad so let's just take one a lawyer being you mentioned lawyers sure. um, who are they come to you you know they're they're presumably making money yes but they're miserable because they're doing miserable stuff or they're working in a miserable and miserable hours and they don't feel they have control presumably and they're doing Shitty work. Let's say they're not doing what we're doing where we could say, I'm, I'm just making this up because we might say, well, we're helping people and maybe we're not making enough money, but we are doing what we think is important and love to do. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm put on this earth to do, I think I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could do it differently. Mm-hmm. But the lawyer who comes to you, <clears throat> um, if he has a, you know, when you're talking about childhood memories and the way that, but he's just, he or she's a successful professional, at least the way society sees them. So. Right. How do you so what are they what is the epiphanies perhaps various yeah. that they come to and yeah. that help them move they're not going to change and become chiropractors right they stay attorneys usually don't they You're, usually I mean unless they really want to make a huge change it's like what <clears throat> if it's really in their heart you know maybe that was their second career choice uh, that they could have loved and been you know equally skilled at but they just chose a different road and now it's time okay. to do it um, but I, I do think that, um, yeah, there there is this realization that now's the time to, to to make a change, and that what they've been doing, the process that they used before didn't work, and that they actually missed some pretty significant cues along the way. Okay. Uh, and that this is this is the time to to go a little bit slower, uh, to to arrive at a decision. Because most people won't do this on their own. I mean, that's the benefit of coaching is that okay. you have a guide. Okay. There to hold you accountable, sort of hold up the mirror and help you see. So, do you stay kind of non-judgmental and just you know, do you reflect back what you see, but without making? Do you give your opinion? Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, my coaching school would probably beat me senseless. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm more of a, uh, I'm a, I'm a hybrid of consulting and, and coaching. Uh, my, you know, my clients want that. You know, they they do want opinion and experience, okay. Okay, uh, but it's not judge. I do not judge. I mean, I always say that my only what I'm invested in is your happiness and your success, okay. not what you choose. And success as who defines it? Yeah, as who, the client. Uh, as the client defines yeah. it. Which, okay. So are there are there steps? So let's just go back to a lawyer. Let's say they're in a. Uh, they're working on a lot of good clients. Mm-hmm. They're in a corporate environment sure. uh, versus, you know, what we do, which is more public mm-hmm. service, if you will. Yep. Um, they're a woman mm-hmm. who is not being seen as partner track. Yep. Or they're working for a lot of pharmaceuticals and mm-hmm. they hate pharmaceutical companies right. for their 
you know, robbing and pillaging mm-hmm. and raping our environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just have to throw that little bit in yeah. there. But so here they are feeling uh, unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. They may be making, you know, a hefty six figure, but they're feeling unfulfilled. Right. So what are the steps you take them through mm-hmm. to begin to change that? There. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you asked. Um, I actually just published a, a new report called uh, Five Simple Ways to Find Your Dream Job in 2015. And oh. one of them is, and oh. where, I'm where offering can we it. get that? Is that on your yeah. site? It is on my, is, I, I'll yeah, please, give we'll you get the, it right the now. link. Oh, please. yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, you could either get it just through my website, thetruthatwork.com, or I have a, it's kind of kind of a long. <laughs> okay, we'll give it, we'll give it now and then later. Go ahead. Sure. Um, so this is a place where you go to, to download it. It's um, HTTPS um, colon backslash backslash the truth at work dot leadpages.net backslash 2015 dash dream dash job dash report. Okay, you're going to have to But, but isn't that, know, it's, get, on, it's, it's on your site. It's at thetruthatwork.com, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. The, the truth at work.com. www.thetruthatwork.com. Okay. Okay, so what was this? Five, five easy five steps? Five simple ways, simple ways to find your dream job in 2015. Wow. Okay, yep. number one. And so, yeah, so um, number one is actually confronting your fears. Mm, and my fear would be, or that attorney's fear would be... I'll never find another job like this. Mm-hmm. Another job that pays me this well. Another job, you know, that, you know, gives me these hours or is nice and close next to my place or, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, whatever story right. it is. Or just, you know, my friends won't like it if I leave and I don't work someplace as prestigious or, my God, what am I going to tell my husband? Okay. Those sound like, beside what my friends think, fairly legitimate sounding fears right when people mm-hmm. say i'll never find another i mean so I, they pay me you know a lot of money and right now in this account nobody's going to pay me this money is that if how do you confront that fear yeah well um <clears throat> one of them is basically the process of actually just articulating the fear itself is very powerful yeah because if you're just walking around with it in your head and it's beating you up every day then actually saying it out loud or writing it down, journaling about it, actually takes a lot of power out of it. Really? Just, is that just being, you're just saying conscious of it or actually there's something about... Articulating arti- it. You mean even if it's not saying publicly, it it's to yourself? Yeah, to yourself, you know, to another person. Okay. Because it actually just takes some of the charge. Okay. Well, it. it also um, creates an awareness about it that mm-hmm. has maybe before they were actually able to articulate it, was just sort of this overwhelming feeling or this feeling. Because when I'm speaking to clients on the phone and they've gone through their story and today a woman, $130,000, she was fired, she believed she was discriminated Mm -hmm. uh, for age and race, and she had some real legitimate, and they're painful to hear what these people have gone through. So at the end, I tend to go into... Um, well, I'm going to guess, based on what you've been saying, you knew, if you've been complaining for two years, I'm going to guess three years ago, you had a feeling that this place wasn't working anymore, but that your fear kept you gripping and clinging to this job. And as I, because it's virtually the same for everybody, they think I'm this mind reader, that I have this incredible insight, but it's just hearing a hundred stories a month for years it it does there is a cycle to it and they all or many anyway have that moment of recognition yes but i was too but i i'm too afraid how could i let go there's so much paralysis and just being able to articulate that there you can feel a sense of freedom really yeah that and now okay so now I get that fear so now what do I do so what kind of crushes that down is asking the question about the fear is how true is that so let's say you know I won't make I won't make as much I won't make 150,000 anyplace else right well how true is that well you know in this economy pretty true I understand sort of like a Byron Katie thing, just sort of actually looking at it and saying, is it absolutely true what you're, the bullshit you're telling yourself, right? But, <laughs> but let's say the answer is, I think it's pretty true. 
Mm-hmm. I've looked around. I'm looking. I read the. I read the trades. I read the law journal. I mean, nobody. I've been on no, ladders. Nobody's offered me two and a quarter. Or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? It's not happening now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. There's a million excuses, right? Right. And there. So, so what's the next? steps so you're not just buying into and enabling and colluding with them yeah well i mean i think with that it's one of those things well some of it is how important is it to you to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? because if it if it is true that it's not available in what you're doing you could do something else but my first go-to on that is it doesn't really sound like you looking on the ladders and you know talking to a couple people is really the full answer here because a lot of these jobs take more than that Okay. You know, to to stumble upon. Hmm. You know, oh, okay. you're going to be probably okay. networking see. and, you know, right. talking to other people. A lot of these jobs never get posted. Right. Okay. Right. Right? So on the surface, it might look like, oh, there's nothing else out there. Okay. So that's like the first layer of just unpacking the myth or the, the fear. Or just Okay. So that's yeah. number one. Yeah. So um, can you say it, I think, confronting the fear? Yeah. Simply just looking it head on and not running away and getting mm, drunk yeah. or... Yeah. Okay. Name, you know, naming it, you know, starting to unpack it, you know, poking holes at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Number two. So we name the fear. Yeah. Um, the second one actually gets to what you were talking about with the, the example of the woman you're talking about is really knowing your needs. And this is kind of pulling it, you know, putting it all, the equation the other way around. You know, the, corp- the corporate world wants you to feel like, you know, you're at their mercy, basically. You're really lucky to be here, you know, especially in this kind of economy and, like, all that kind of stuff. But, again, the real best fits in the world for jobs or anything else in your life, like relationships, is you got to know what you, ne- what you need. Oh. And you need to ask for it. You need to know it when you see Ew. it. Ew. you got to ask for it? Ew. Oh, my God, ask. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to do that? But I do, I make my clients go through what do they need financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Like when you were saying, you know, I wouldn't, you know, work for pharmaceuticals. I always say, are, are there any ethical restrictions mm-hmm. um, of anything that you would do? And sometimes people are like, yeah, I yeah, I'm work pretty for that. limited where I can work because I hate so many right. corporations. But it, but <laughs> so, you're, so you know where to look. Yeah. That's pretty limiting. I can't even date Republicans. Okay, but that's pretty limiting for a lawyer, though. But I'm saying back to reality, <laughs> when she, you know, so I, you know, Kelly's not seeing the few. Southern Poverty Law Center attorneys yes. making twenty two five, so the lawyers that she's seeing when she says, "Well, was yes. there any ethical limits?" They say, "Yeah, at pretty much everything I do, they I bill out six hundred dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Everything I do offends my actual sense of Value. you know values of corporate. What am I supposed? To, you know, what do I do about it? And again, other than becoming a mendicant and sitting on a bench somewhere and hoping people have food in my mouth while I get in touch with my uh, and you know get enlightened. But mm-hmm. this is the that's the the duality that I think that maybe people listen. What are you talking about? We have to. Pay, I got three kids, a mortgage, right. I have tuition. What what is that we're talking about? It's mercenary work out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming to you because I'm about to. You know, I'm feeling really ragged, but. Right. They really. I don't see a way out other than killing myself and getting then my you know life insurance to leave mm-hmm. to my like what? How do you you know? Is it yeah. really not that simple, right? Is it well? You could go work and become a legal aid lawyer. No, I can't. Mm-hmm. How do you say you get that? Mm-hmm. They could do their work and then continue. So they work yeah. with the pharmaceutical companies and then they donate money to you know they do something on the side volunteer yeah. work at St. Mary's Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's here's the the bigger picture is that usually if they're in the job. And over time, there will start to be a decline in performance, right? So that person will start to have more issues in their current role. It's going to become more and more difficult to do what they need to do, right? Okay. So that actually it starts to create kind of like a, like a, like a, a boilermaker kind of situation where... Uh, it's kind of the unconscious stuff starts coming up. Like, I just really don't want to go to this meeting. This client's making me crazy. Errors start to happen, you know, coming okay. to work later, later. And, you know, if you don't get on this path of finding what you really want and what you're best at, you're probably not going to have a job that much longer anyway. Okay. And then you're really going to be saying, how am I going to feed my three kids? I'm not trying to point a, paint a, a you know, bleak picture here. but. Right. I have to tell you that almost everyone that I talk to that is in a job and wants to get a new job is having some sort of issue on their current job. 
but aren't they? But again, just to finish up with the thing with lawyers mostly, because you said you see a yeah. lot of them, and knowing what I sort of know about generally yeah. lawyers' mental health and what they do. Yes. They're mostly miserable, right? I mean, yeah, they're actually. You know, if you look at the list of the you know top ten most miserable professions, lawyers number one. It's like lawyers, um, a lot of medical. People. I was going to say doctors, mm-hmm. medical nurses, a lot of helper healers. Yeah. Why, so why are doctors miserable? Uh, most doctors are actually bankrupt by fifty. No. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. Bankrupt by 50? Yes, it's kind of Does this a mean like managed thing. care stuff? I mean, is this all part of, again, our <clears throat> there where bankers are skimming 30% off the top? I mean, what? I didn't know that because I thought doctors. It's a lot of insurance and malpractice. Uh, law, uh, uh, medical school is not cheap. Well, um, and well, there's an expectation that you'll continue to go up and up in a lifestyle. And sometimes just sometimes things happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen, right. Okay. Yeah. You end up getting divorced. Oh, yeah. You get sued things happen. Okay, so people that are listening now that are just, you know, the average struggling person that are saying, that's good news to me. I'm glad that lawyers and doctors are miserable, you know, too. Let them join the club. <laughs> well, so being those are still the people you see, how do you, being as successful, and I assume many of these doctors and lawyers that you consult with and coach at the end have had some kind of, you know, turnaround, right? They, yeah. They have, they feel seen and heard and they've they've made a change that you've helped them right uh Mm -hmm. you've coached them into sort of having their own breakthrough yes right so what changes because there's still lawyers there's still doctors and the system still you know creates that that almost that metal stress (laughs) attention it's just by definition right so so yeah you know so what changes um well first of all they usually do have a little bit more um ease uh and feeling a little bit more rational about their current role you know while they're in the program with me you know there's better communication uh, so that they're able to find that things are a little bit you know they're airing it a little bit easier you know take the pressure off um, you know feeling like they have more time to figure out what they want that's always a really good thing to just kind of triage that Um, and also my I'm very open and I always leave this totally open to them is that the goal they might come to you and say I just want another job at a, like the competitor and I just want to get a raise or something like that they in the end might decide that they you know they want to go corporate or they want to you know hang up their own shingle or okay. they want to go back to school or actually they might realize that they have enough money to retire and they never took the time to figure that out okay okay so there's a, you know, it's just the discovery process. Where it goes, you know, there's no way yeah. for you to know or predict at the beginning. Yeah, I have, you know, I, I have um, a client that I'll be coaching tonight, and you know, we've been talking a lot about. There's so many alternatives within each profession out there. So you know, stay in the, fir- you know, stay in a small firm, go to a big firm, you know, find that perfect fit corporation or nonprofit or whatever where you're in-house corporate counsel which maybe they've never done that before right and moving away from you know billing every six minutes is a good thing that's and for be, sure and being able to represent something that they love and you know have have health insurance have a passion money. for right have a passion for it right yeah and before it was just too scary right so what's the well, third? a lot of what a lot of what people tend to do is operate on autopilot. Yes. So you get the job, and then you make enough money that you can qualify for a mortgage, so you get a, a house, and then you make more money, so you can get a bigger house, and it's that acquiring of things. And at some point, you stop and say, "How much do I really need? What do?" Yeah. In terms of what you were just saying mm-hmm. about making the list of what I really need. Yeah. That's how you can cut back. Yeah. and I do that right up front. It's the yeah. second or third session where I, I make people do a budget. And for depending on the person, that could be extremely anxious-ridden, yes. extremely. Yes. And I could tell you that I can't almost, even do it. I know. See? I'm I, looking I at you. Are you breaking out in hives just thinking about well, it? I can't, yeah. I can't <laughs> do it. I can't do it. It's like because then when I do it. Because you keep saying I can't do it. Well, but, but I mean, because I when I do clients. do it, because when I do do it, if I do if I did do it, I'd say, okay, it's not like I don't, you know, I could add it up and see what it is. And I understand how much waste there is built in. I get that. That's mm-hmm. what it would help. Uh, but it's just that. Yeah, I can't do it. I, I, there's, a, there's a part of me that just goes, okay, I mean, it's not like I live my life and I, you know, I know what I'm 
you know, some of these things are built in, and I would rather spend my time trying to create the abundance that allows me to have this. It's not like I'm profligate or that I'm intentionally being a spendthrift, but yes, we I waste a lot of money. But so I, no, I understand it's important, but I but I see it does create it would create a ton of anxiety in me just doing that task. It's like mm-hmm. I don't fucking want to do it. Yeah. So I could see I'm resistant to that. Yeah. yeah. So some I do depending on the person and their you know their yeah. feeling about it. Some people spend a lot more time on that yeah. than, than okay. others, and then they get really clear. Be like, wow, you know, I actually can take that job that I've been really wanting to. That's a ten thousand dollar cut, okay. but would make my life ten times better. Okay. Right. Yeah, and feel right. really good about it versus mm-hmm. biting your nails off, wondering right. if I just, you know, crushed myself. And stressing about money all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. Well, she'd have to get double time with me. Exactly. Okay. So, so the five steps. So the first yeah. was fear and the yep. second was? Needs. Needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. three? So three is uh, reconnect with your dreams. Oh, yeah. 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 That's okay. a good one. So uh, this is this is the meaty middle <laughs> of the program uh, for me, where people start to really go, whoa, you know. I mean, I have permission to remember what I used to like and what I could do, and there's no rules in this. And I said, yeah, this is this is a you know safe gym to jump around in, and uh, so we do a, b- a whole bunch of exercises um, around, um, you know, what do you remember when you were little? You know, when someone came up to you and said, hey, little boy, little girl. You mean girl. like a dream like I wanted to be a fireman? Yeah. Okay. I, I wanted to be a nun. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not too late. See? You could be a Christ yeah. I was in Catholic schools. That's going to be my final career. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like 88 and I want to hang with the sisters. Yeah. Well, it's actually Somebody res- to take care of me. Isn't that recession proof? You could still do that, right? Yeah. Prayers yeah. available all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Chastity, poverty, and obedience. <laughs> Um, okay, so reconnecting with the dreams. It really yeah. does go back to, I and mean, I was making fun of it, but there's a little bit of, I thought you were talking about maybe earlier and I'm more idealistic if I go back 30 years. Go back as far as you want. Well, but if you go back to when you're eight mm-hmm. and you say, well, I wanted to be, you know, an actor or an astronaut or a yeah. Well, how does that help the yeah. current, you know, like I pay my bills. Okay, I'm 55 yeah. or whatever people would say. And th- well, those are the two that are in my report, actually, the actor and the astronaut, <laughs> is that... Um, well, it's not necessarily that you're going to drop everything and go to NASA. Right. Uh, it's just more, hey, you know, what did it really, what does it translate into that you were attracted to that? You know, right. So I if see. you were an, wanted to be an astronaut, but you didn't, maybe you were good at math and science and, you know, you like to explore, you know, maybe you're a risk taker. Oh, I you know, see. You're okay, that kind of so. person. So what does that mean in terms of ability and desire? They're, they're, what we're really looking for is like portable skills, you know, okay. like stuff that you can put in your suitcase, mm-hmm. you know, okay. from job to job. Right? Portable skills. Okay. So what about the actor? Um, the actor is um, really all about, well, someone that can perform, uh-huh. can deliver lines, um, who is you know, probably good at improv, thinking on their feet, um, can, you know, memorize. Yeah. But is that what drew you? That's not what attracted people to it, whatever, right? Whether you're not, you're good at improvisation or, I mean, presumably you might be able to memorize lines, but is that the nugget? Is that like what you, it was the kernel of it something yeah. or is it just that, no, I need, what was the, the old, the song or the joke, the comedian, you know, recognition or attention, right? This was an actor yeah, who wants yeah. attention, right? right. So I love it, yeah. Was that, that's what that <laughs> yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, you know, so reconnecting with that, even though it might be yeah. too late to get a headshot and be an actor, mm-hmm. Helps you understand what drives you. Is it back to needs, motivation, yeah. Yeah, talents? Yeah, so that one actually, this is this one's actually connected to one of my lawyer clients. Okay. Who, he was very good at acting in college, really loved it. He's very, very good at it. And he, um, he does um, litigation, I think. He's, his favorite task of the week is being in court. He loves being up in front of a judge, and he just feels completely in the zone. Mm-hmm. A meeting mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he's just like in touch with his his like natural ability, his essence or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. He's in flow, Got and it. that's the highlight of his week. And so I just say, well, are there gigs out there where you spend more time in court? Right. But the answer to well, what's his answer? Have you had this answer yet? He said he said yes. He's he's still kind of deciding a little bit okay. because he actually does like. 
his heads down, you know, writing brief stuff as well. I don't okay. think he's willing to give that up totally. <laughs> Cause, because, you know, the most litigators, right, litigators you talk about yeah. are, you know, it's almost in name only. You know, you get to court. You don't go once a week. You go a yeah, couple times a, couple a year. Times. Yeah. Well, but if you go, but if you're the type who actually goes all the time to court, you're either usually a criminal lawyer who's just always in court as a public defender or a DA mm-hmm. with criminal cases, or perhaps a personal injury lawyer who's just is always doing that, you know, and you have somebody else in the office pushing the paper and you're always showing up on those cases. Um, but again, I mean, it would be not something that it's it's a fairly drastic change if you otherwise, if he's in a high-powered, you know, you have to, is he ready to hang out a shingle? Is that some of the things that you yeah, explore? Yeah, we, okay. we, you know, we, we talk about that okay. for sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I mean, it could be even, for example, his, some of the, a lot of these are just are tweaks. It's maybe his client portfolio, you know, needs to be entertainment. I see. Media and entertainment. Right. A lot of passion there. Right. right. Go for it. Right. right. Why not? Well, no court appear. It's really contract work. So that might be, that might kill him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It sounds yeah. like it would be good. Well, I'm an entertainment lawyer, yeah. but you're not entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing contracts for other people, so you're not in court, really. That's what, the people who were in court all the time was like when I, which, again, you'd have to give up. you say, let's go back to being a legal aid lawyer, yeah. and you're always in court, and you're arguing, and it's all that theatrical, dramatic, romantic. You're saving lives, and you're perhaps giving up lots of other things in order to do that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. always a trade-off. Yeah. All right. Okay. What's number four? Um, number four is actually getting help. <laughs> And getting help is really, it's kind of that whole, you know, it takes a village type of thing where, you know, if you're looking to make a change, whether it's, you know, gigantic or small, it, just sticking to yourself isn't a good idea. You know, okay. Just isolating around it, not the best idea. Uh, so it, it really is good to just start with a nice audit <laughs> of yourself. Uh, about you know how's how's everything working in my life you know am I healthy you know physically and emotionally okay. um, how's my how are my finances uh, you know what what would I need to I don't know my you know what if your dream is to move to Austin Texas you know maybe you need a realtor you know what like you need you need help because this will actually accelerate okay. what's going on and I'm not necessarily saying get help as and go out and spend all tons tons of money on professionals i'm saying make sure that your love partner is on board with this okay you know the first well one of your first steps is talk to your friends and family about it say hey you know what this is what's been going on did you know how miserable i am did you know that this job's actually killing me did you know that i'm worried about having a heart attack okay right right and say like i have to make there there's a change ahead and I really need your support. Hmm. Got it. That's that important. Big. That does sound like yeah, it's, it's a key. It's, it's critical. It's really right. critical. Yeah. And that, that's, again, you just that's back to asking for what you need because presumably people will be supportive, right? I mean, you have to ask your then you got to your wife has to say, well, or your husband, well, that sounds like 10k less. What about mm-hmm. our needs? What about the kids? What about the timeshare? Mm-hmm. It's all part of a negotiation, though, right? I mean, it's all part of it. It's all of a piece, right? You know, yeah. It's holism. Okay. Yeah. You know, that just, this may be off a little bit, but, you know, it just struck me, this article I read the other day, a study done, Harvard graduates, um, once they're married, in the couple, and I'm, I'm pulling this out of my head, but it was something like the man's career always takes precedent. That upon graduation, and it was something like 90%, 100% of the men graduating from Harvard assumed that their careers would take priority over their wives. And it bared out to be true 89% of the time. Women graduating Harvard, even just graduating, uh, it was something like only 70% thought their career would take precedent and the reality is something like 30 or 40 percent that even because something you just said just struck me and I thought that was so telling about the structures and the roles that we fall into particularly for women so Mm -hmm. while being what we do is advocate for women I was just wondering if we can talk about the distinctions that you make in your work with 
girls mm-hmm. with with the female um, females among us who have is it a unique set of challenges and problems that you see with your females or whether they're again I want to open this up to not just lawyers and doctors but I assume yeah, yeah. you see teachers and people I, right I, I, I mean I see, everybody I see everybody I mean I uh yeah, a lot of people that are. I'm here in New York, right. so I have more clients in New York, but I do have clients elsewhere. Okay. Right. Uh, and then I, I would say that I have a lot of clients that are, you know, mid-career, but I also have a lot of people who are more on the like fresh grad type. Okay. Type, which is a good you know, time to catch them, right? To find out what they want to do in this world, yeah. in this life. Okay. There's so I love having those both types in play. Right. Um, right. A lot of them are almost, you know, like parent-child uh, teams because they're just. The thing that will start to signal someone who's, you know, around, you know, 49, 50 saying, my son is graduating and now I can make different, you know, choices. And then the son's freaking out saying, oh, my God, I have all these bills. And they're worried about starting off wrong. Okay. The mid-career person is worried about screwing it up. Okay. Mm. So, (laughs) So what about, though women's particular challenges versus mm-hmm. men is there a, is that is there a gender distinction in terms of the work that you do either you see or the problems that are unique to females mm-hmm. trying to make moves be successful be assertive yeah sure well i see a lot more just getting back to the needs thing is a lot more juggling uh for sure you know hours mm-hmm. really comes into into play i don't a lot of the ladies you know that are you know running big jobs i just see them being awake too much <laughs> you know they don't they don't get enough sleep they probably do work as many hours as their male counterparts but they just do it differently you know where you know they'll probably work you know after the kids go to bed and you know they and i, I just see i see a lot of exhaustion well, around that is that because you're saying that they're still picking up the lion's share of domestic responsibilities in addition to all the heavy hitting and, that they're and, doing in some instances yeah like maybe they're married to mr harvard mhm <laughs> right. right 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 but even if they're ms harvard that's yeah. why i'm just i'm just wondering if you have the you have heavy hitter whether they're heavy hitter or not but i'm saying yeah. you have female clients that are do you, how, what is the gender breakdown roughly in your practice? I have I have a lot more male clients. A lot more male. Ladies, okay, yeah. what do you attribute that to? Well, um, it's been super interesting. Um, I really thought that when I created my programs that I I wasn't thinking about gender at all. I was just thinking about needs, and um, I find that women take a significantly longer time to say yes uh, to a program like this. Um, I think women get more. Um, casual support you know in their networks where I think they kind of talk it over more you know like girlfriends at brunch and that kind of thing and I think uh, men do not have as much support and they are used to making a deal and getting what they want and I think if you say anything that says career help me make more money advance they're on it Okay. okay and God bless them I think they're the greatest like I love like I love their decision making process they're just on board so what are women missing? They're missing a big opportunity. Like I, I think that this is the way that women draw things out. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be accelerating things faster. Um, and they're not in that way. Okay. I'm not saying all around. But this is what I've been seeing. And as a female executive, I've been right. surprised. I've been very surprised. If I hadn't been, you know, in the executive world, and I'm just looking at what I've been seeing in my business, I would say women aren't stepping up to the plate. Right. Well, they're not. If they're missing that, you just said you love. They're missing that. I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to pay you money. You're going to teach me how to make more money. I want this. I want this as a. This is an interaction, almost like. Yeah. It's, it's, it could even be a crass in a way that what's sort of compared to like women are just, you know, they're, they're nesting and they're talking to mm-hmm. their friends and brunch. They're going to, you know, want, mm-hmm. and men are sort of doing it almost like this is a commercial, almost like mm-hmm. it might be, you know, th- th- and it could be almost in a crass way. Women, men are saying, I want to come and get what I need and right. I'm going to pay for it. I don't really care about all the other bullshit. Right. I don't need anyone to love me to tell me yeah. this, right? Guys are usually like, I'm so over this. I'm over this problem. I know it's a problem. I, I don't know what I don't necessarily know exactly what they've what's gone in their 
all that's gone in their heads before they arrive, uh, but they're ready. They're ready to roll. Well, it just sounds like, and maybe this comes down to when we had our guest Ruth Raisfeld on the show talking about that women, that there is a, and I'm not judging it at all, other than is it not true that perhaps women are could benefit from a little bit more of that energy, that maybe that male energy, yeah. which is, fuck you, acknowledge me, I'm taking care of myself, I'm putting it, I'm not, I'm not going to wring my hands for 10 more years and wait yeah. for somebody to give it to me. Yeah. I mean, there's just some things that men and women are better about asking for and identifying and feeling comfortable asking for. And I think something something around career is in the masculine sphere and uh money yeah right that's, back to that's that's her gig and i think the more and more i i mean i just feel completely blessed to have been working with the clients that i work with to be able to see what's really well, really did you struggle on. with that as a female? did you struggle yeah. in your own life with you know being able to sort of ask for what yeah, you're yeah. to earn what you're worth mm-hmm. yeah i mean i you know, my career has been in technology, public relations, right? So PR is like 90% ladies, right? And technology is the other way around, right? So it was always, I would be, you know, all my clients would be men, everyone would be men. So I've had a lot of that. And I needed, there would be many times that I would be the, like one of the only people in a conference that was a woman. And there was a lot of times where I just went through the whole, you know, put on a suit and pretend that I, you know, that you're I'm, gender neutral. That, yeah, that I'm gender neutral. Well, does neutral. it matter that you're a woman? Are they looking for these men looking for some maternal aspect to, you know, my this? clients? Yeah. Oh yeah. From you? Oh my goodness! Yeah. For okay. the exec whisperer part is very intense, and I tell them right up front, like it's what they really want is yeah they want to solve their business problems, but they've got something else going on. It's always something like sales are down. And my wife just left me. <laughs> yeah, so when you come in, when do what? Yeah. How do you bridge that gap? And you're not there. The, the You're providing emotional support in, in a way that is a yeah. little bit. It's, a, you know, it's business coaching. And, I mean, executive coaching ends up being life coaching a lot. Yeah. You know, and they need to. to make decisions. Right. There's, for example, in that, that scenario there, like, hey, my wife has left me. I'll say. I'm really sorry to hear that's going on. I'm personally divorced, too. I, I, I get it that this is a big deal. But we're here to develop a plan. So if you feel like part of the plan that we're going to develop together has to do with you managing the divorce, let's talk about managing the divorce. And they really like talking about it in an unemotional way with a woman. Okay. With the, the um, feminine energy right. in a really different way. Okay, and I'm sorry. <clears throat> so that speaks to part of the second generation yes. gender discrimination yes. mm-hmm. that women experience. Yes. Because men Define that. What is second generation? Second generation is when you're being discriminated against, in this case gender, but it's not outright blatant. You're working for a company that uh, purports to uh, support women and uh, try to advance women that everything is equal and that's what the outside is but actually if we hire people just like us this is why people of color have more challenges uh, why men hire men mm-hmm. younger people hire younger people younger people fire older people um, older people get rid of the kids We hire people just like us. And this is where women struggle in part because men, Mm -hmm. like that client, Mm -hmm. wants to, feels more comfortable talking to a woman softly and more vulnerably. He isn't going to appoint her, you know, head of the North American division because she's got no balls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what. I think is the big uh, unspoken issue. Yeah, is this is this yeah. discrimination? I, yeah, I, uh, these unconscious biases mm-hmm. is what they are. Yeah, hmm. the discrimination I think co- plays into the the imbalance of what's going on in corporations, and I think it 
I mean, this is getting a little bit kind of like mystical, if you will. But we talk a lot about men and women, but it really is the masculine and the feminine right. attributes right. at play. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's what's going on. And so when what goes wrong, and this is what really ate at me towards the end and why I made different choices, was that I embraced so much of my masculinity you know, to be able to play the game that I just disintegrated in the end. I'm actually a very, I have a lot of feminine power. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I I thrive. Mm. I can very easily dip into my masculine. And that's how I'm able to connect and attract men that want to talk to me. But when they kind of get in it, they're like, ah. Okay. And so I, the more of this work that I've been doing, the more I've been convinced is that a man's secret weapon is femininity. Huh. That... Some of the changes that I've seen my male clients do are because they used a feminine tactic to make a change. They were in a stalemate doing the same thing over and over again. And then one day they made a vulnerable statement. Right. And everything turned around. See, this is partly also why Congress is in such a shithole mess. Yes, they're, you know, we're very divided, but it has to do with all of that masculine game-playing roles Mm -hmm. in terms of being unable to come to compromise. So until you get some more men in there who have some more... Oh, or men. Men with more, uh, who are more in touch with their feminine, Mm -hmm. or... Better, let's get some more well, women in there do. to balance it. Well, mm-hmm. you never have that as long as money's involved in the process yeah. as it is now in the chamber okay. of commerce. And again, yeah. because they're not, women are not going to be put in charge of North yeah. America because mm-hmm. they're too mm-hmm. feminine. Yeah. But I think the women that get accused of being too feminine are actually not being feminine. They're, you know, trying to be masculine. You know, like I've seen some of those articles about like overly, uh, overly negotiating too hard, or like you know, like we right. can't win. They're a bitch, and all that kind of stuff. or they're they're an angel, or yeah. too soft, or exactly. whatever it is. And actually, you know, uh, the feminine is actually very powerful. But the feminine energy, you don't mean in a different way. You don't exactly. mean feminine wiles in that way, right? You're not talking about wearing, you know, six inch pumps and being flirtatious, no. right? And wearing no. you know, Something that's not feminine energy, right? That's right. okay. Right. So listen, w- just before I wanted yeah. to, because oh. we don't have that much time left. How, first of all, how many more? What just were we up to? Just well, one more. Okay. Well, what is that? Yeah. And this one's going to sound really familiar. <laughs> this is roll up your sleeves. Uh, okay. You know, just get really prepared to get out there because jobs don't fall from the sky. You know, I know that, you know, a lot of what we were talking about is, you know, kind of like, you know, woo woo and, you know, yeah. where it's, it's, you know, dreamland and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, this really is, you know, you, you do got to get out there and people, I, I'm a big networker. I'm a, I just huge fan of that. And people go, well, what do you mean? Are you pounding the pavement stuff? What do you mean by get out there but these days? If you know what you want, if you, I, I have my, this is just like dating, by the way. This is like traditional dating tactics. Okay. Of like, What's your dream man or your dream woman, right? What's your dream job? So, you know, we build a profile of exactly what it looks like. This is, you know, like power of attraction, manifestation kind of stuff, right? Right. So if you know what you want, then where are these people? Where's your boss? Okay. Your boss, I don't know, is at the country club on Saturday, 3 o'clock tea time? Sweet. Maybe you should go there. Right. You know, it's... It's a little bit of you know you got to go you got to go find them. Uh, the dream job just doesn't happen by nothing. Okay, and some of this is not just affirmations. Go to- isn't going to necessarily right, do right, the trick. Right. And that's that's <laughs> what I put in my report. Is actually it's um, um, <laughs> affirmations plus action. Yeah, <laughs> equals dream job. Yeah, there you go. Right. Heavy on the action. <laughs> Heavy on the action. So, so what about workaholism? Yeah, and how does that play yes. into? I know you. You know, this, isn't that part of? It's a book that's also you're working on now. Yes, um, co-authoring a book uh, and. Uh, it's going to be called uh, Not Not Good Enough, The Cost of Our Work-Addicted Society. Uh, and what that's all about is um, something that I'm also passionate about is addiction. And okay. all different kinds of addiction, you know, alcohol or drugs, food, you know, whatever, whatever you have. And um, workaholism is something that kills 
people every That's day. an addiction. It, it, oh. it is an addiction. Yeah. We, the way, the simplest way to define it is that if, if you use work, you know, where it's, it's something that just like if you had a, you know, big martini or, you know, you had, you know. Well, you use a martini to distract, right? I mean, using martini to numb yourself. I'm just, you know, making mm-hmm. this up, right? At least you think you are anesthetizing yourself with it and relaxing. Yep. How do you use 80 hours of work that way? Well, you're still totally checked out. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the saddest parts about it is the family. Okay. You know, people who have grown up without a parent. Right. They're either physically not there or if they're there, they're not there. Right. So right. they're still on their Blackberry, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually for the, the body, um, you know, there's different kinds of addiction. So drugs and alcohol is chemical, you know, you right. ingest it and, and you go, um, food and work is process. You're doing, you're doing something, you know, to get there. And with the work, we actually become our own drug dealer where we make adrenaline and cortisol in the high of stress and anxiety is something that pump, totally pumps us up. Does it necessarily feel good? No, it can. Mm-hmm. You now for some people. Like a mania, like a bipolar high part, right? Because mm-hmm. there's. I mean, we, but we also do, don't we promote that in our culture somewhat? I mean, we... Yes. And that is the detriment. Okay. That's, right. that, that's the push-pull of the whole thing is that it's completely glorified. Okay. Right. And there are people dying at their desks. Because of work? I mean, because you could say that there's other reasons it's, right, yeah. that they're dying at their desk because they also don't take care of themselves, not just because of the work. They probably but also don't exercise. they don't taking care okay. of themselves. Okay, right. right. I mean... There's a whole big long list of symptoms, but what happens is that if you were to look at, you know, what people die from or whatever, it would say, oh, heart attack, or it would say, you know, diabetes or, right. you know, something like that. But it's it's so embedded that um, we don't see it. Right. How does one know if one is a workaholic? Yeah. Um, where it actually becomes disruptive and destructive to their lives is and it and again like you, this is kind of like oh how do i know if i'm i'm drinking too much right right okay of, so same question yeah okay it can get well it, i can handle a lot of alcohol <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I really can't. So how do you know if you're drinking too much though for you because it's becoming destructive to your life yeah. i mean it's subjective right yeah 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 um but well, know, I thought it's your reliance on it, like like because you could. I thought like some people we know, you could drink only on weekends and consider by the time you're 29, say I'm an alcoholic and I'm in AA yeah. now, right? right? And you say people say well, you don't even drink during the week. That's mm-hmm. not the key, though, right? Isn't how much you rely on? Yeah, it's it's what it actually is all about for you. It's it's basically like what's the role of it for you? Okay. So work can actually there's a term called stuffing, like stuffing your emotions, mm-hmm. where basically it is the numbing thing. Okay. That you talked about. You know what? I'm just going to stay late and write up this big campaign or this sale because you know what? My kids aren't talking to me anymore, and I haven't had sex with my wife in a month, and I just can't deal with it. Right, right. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay here and say that I'm going to make the bonus, and when the bonus comes, you know, I could just say, "Well, I did this for you." But some of this is cultural right now when, right, there's 10 people waiting for your job mm-hmm. and you can't knock off at 5 p.m. or it wouldn't be prudent, mm-hmm. right, to run home yeah. and run to the, to the gym. Yeah. I mean, that, that's part of this yeah. attention there, well, here's, right? Here's the kicker of it <laughs> is that workaholics are actually not as productive as other people. Okay. Because okay. what happens is that they they really only get to a certain point of productivity ever. Right, right, right. And then in these later phases of really the illness of it, they, they, they're just working a lot. They take twice as long to do something or they make more st- mistakes. I am listening to our theme music, which is letting me know we have only about a minute or so. Can you just tell us again, um, and I'm sorry we didn't, yeah, so yes, fascinating, sure. tell us where potential go. clients can reach you. Yes, um, so I have two things that they could do is well they can just go to the truth at work mm-hmm. and you'll the see truth at work right. the truth at work and add is at or just um, Google Kelly Joyce and they'll yes. also find you you'll come up okay. and uh, there's a little pop-up box uh, down at the bottom of uh, of my 
homepage, and you can just type in there. I, I put in Progressive Radio offer, and you can Is get a free consultation. That. Did you offer yeah. that? Do I yes. see that? Yes. Okay, great. So, so it's anybody, the consult. You can get the report, the five simple ways to find Outstanding. So anybody struggling right now with challenges in their life would do well to have that free consultation with you and see how it goes from there. Please do. Kelly and Joyce, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Very fascinating, actually. Yeah. Isn't that terrific? Yeah. And thank you so much. And for all of thank our you. listeners, we'll see you in two weeks, or you'll we'll, you'll hear us in two weeks. We won't be here next week. And to everyone, remember, stay frosty. Uh, you know, keep up. Uh, you know, the good fight. And what do we tell everybody, Deborah? Don't quit your job. No matter what, first speak to Kelly Joyce, because if you quit your job, you're giving up all your legal leverage. If you did think you have a discrimination or hostile work environment case, you're blowing it all. So stay put until you figure out what your true purpose is in life. From Deborah Orell and Jack Tuckner and Women's Rights in the Workplace show, and our guest, Kelly A. Joyce, we thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>